Hey listeners, welcome to the Alma Bay Spotlight's podcast. I'm your host Kalyan and on this show I will interview a diverse set of alumni relations and fundraising professionals that work at institutions of all types and sizes, not just the large popular ones you'll hear from at conferences. My aim is to bring people whose stories are more relatable so that their ideas are more actionable for you. Today I'm going to be talking to Monica Hoel, alumni director at Emory and Henry College, a private liberal arts college in Emory, Virginia. We talk about her experience as a student at Emory and Henry several years ago and how that led to her career in alumni relations. She's been the alumni director there for the last 30 years now. In this conversation, Monica shared some amazing virtual alumni engagement ideas that have worked well for them and their strategy going forward. I loved how simple yet creative their ideas were. I'm sure you'll enjoy listening to Monica. Monica, thanks for taking the time to join me on the Alma Bay Spotlights podcast. I'm eager to learn more about your journey and share some of your best ideas today. Well, Callyon, thank you very much for inviting me to be here. It's fun to join you from Little Emory, Virginia today. <laughs> Absolutely. Before we talk about your current role at Emory and Henry College, I'd love to roll the years back and start from your childhood <laughs> if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> That sounds a little scary. <laughs> Where did you grow up and which high school did you go to? I grew up in Southwest Virginia mostly. Um I I went to Pulaski County High School, which is in Dublin, Virginia, about an hour from our campus now where I work. I uh, spent some time as a kid in Eastern Virginia near Richmond, where the which which is the state capital. Um but yeah, I was pretty much pretty much a Southwest Virginia person through and through. And and Virginia is one of those states that divides itself based on region. So like, you know, there's the Northern Virginia crowd and there's the Southwest Virginia crowd and the Southside crowd, everybody sort of has a segment of the state they claim is their own. <laughs> got it. Got it. So you're clearly Southwest Virginia. Yes. Um what what do you remember best from your high school days? Um that's a good question. I, what I enjoyed most, um I'm kind of revealing my nerdy side already, but what I enjoyed most was um working on the yearbook staff because it it afforded me a lot of opportunities to um um to get out I was kind of shy back then and so that gave me the chance to do some photography and go to events that I wouldn't have done otherwise and to have some leadership roles that I may not have had otherwise and I learned a lot of skills and layout and publishing and that, that still follow me today actually so I I probably enjoyed that as much as anything I did in high school Nice I love that and then you decided to to go to Emory and Henry College to pursue a bachelor's of arts degree in English how did you first pick Emory and Henry as the college you wanted to attend and you know how was your experience there well at some point you look around and you realize that all the people in your life that you really love and respect seem to have gone to the same school and that's kind of how it was for us in Dublin <laughs> um our you know our minister went to Emory and Henry his as did his wife um our our program director at the church did some of my absolute favorite teachers at the high school had gone to Emory and Henry and so at some point you just kind of you know those those suggestions to consider looking at Emory and Henry just end up being it starts to feel like fate so um you know we visited campus as kids and thought it was a great place and really enjoyed you know what the place looked like and felt like and so yeah it just seemed like sort of a 
sort of a natural answer when I when it came time to look at colleges and um, and it, it was a great experience as it turns out my the college at that time was actually much smaller than the high school the high school my high school had about two thousand people and Emory and Henry at that point had about eight hundred so it was a very different experience but. Again, as kind of a shy kid, it was a great experience because I had a chance to to shine a little bit more than I would have on a larger campus. Not that I was anything special, but I'm just saying it was it was a chance to to be somebody. Whereas I think on a large larger campus at that point, I think my personality would have allowed me to just get lost in the crowd. But it didn't happen here. I think you're being too humble. What are what are some of the <laughs> some of the activities or, you know, volunteering uh, work that you took up during college, anything that you can recall? Well, of course I was on the yearbook staff because again, nerdy, and that's the part that I knew and loved. And so that was probably the part that, um, that was a bit the most service that I did. I joined a sorority and that was fun. Again, a, a very different experience from what I'd had in high school. So, um, you know, so those are the kinds of, and, and the sorority would do some volunteer projects here and there, but um, mostly, you know, we were we were probably not as community conscious, and I apologize for the train. We have a train that comes in the middle of campus, and it punctuates every event. Um, but we probably <laughs> were not as community-oriented as, um, as our students are now. I'm really proud of our students when I see them getting involved in issues and, and doing community fundraisers and that kind of thing. I think that they probably are a little bit more in tune with those kinds of needs than we had been. We were just, we're just glad to be away from home, glad to be getting a college degree and having a, you know, pretty good time. And um, um, I, I don't think that I was as involved in the community services as I should have been. <laughs> That's amazing. I think college experience in the eighties is, is very different <laughs> from today. Yeah, and, and right. we'll, we'll dive into that. And one thing that I found really interesting about your experience, uh, Monica, is that, you know, in today's day and age where people move jobs all the time, especially where I come from in the world of tech startups, you know, like people have 10 different right. jobs in 15 years, right? <laughs> but you, you've worked for over 35 years now at Emory and Henry College, which in my books is amazing. You know, you started your career as an admissions counselor there. So talk me through how that happened, you know, right as you were graduating, what was going on in your head? How did you pick that job? Um, well, it's pretty simple. I had no earthly idea what I wanted to do or what I needed to do or what I ought to do. That's also the reason I picked English as a major, because at a liberal arts college, English would be a good major to kind of support whatever you decided to do. And I didn't. I didn't really have a plan. And so I knew that that would be something that would hopefully help me whatever I chose. And it just so happened there was a, um, a, a recent grad in the admissions department who was leaving right as I was graduating. So I thought, you know, this could be fun for a year or so to like kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And then after I got into it, I kind of liked working in higher ed. I enjoyed the community. I enjoyed being able to stay in Emory. I love Emory. It's a great little community. I like Washington County and I like Abingdon. I like the things that um, the volunteer opportunities and the social opportunities that living here afforded me. And, you know, I enjoyed the work. I enjoyed, you know, I was kind of past being shy at that point. And so I enjoyed getting to um, 
you know, meet families in the admissions office. And then, I, you know, eventually there, there was a job opening in the alumni office. And that was a chance to move up just a little bit and, and have some new challenges and new opportunities. And so, you know, it just it just kind of fell into place for me. Unfortunately, I am not that ambitious person, but I do like to take advantage of opportunities as they come along. And that's kind of how this has been for me. It's just been a it's just been a really cool experience. And I'm really grateful um, for the chance to get to be here this long. But yet yeah, it's crazy. And, and I talked to a faculty member who's been here about that same length of time. And I just laughed and said, what's wrong with us? Nobody, nobody stays in a job this long. What, what are we doing? But we both had a good time here. So I guess it's okay. Yeah. And I love how honest you are, uh, Monica, which is also a rarity in these days. <laughs> I mean, especially with the, with the bias of hindsight, it, you know, you sort of connect all the dots in hindsight and then say, oh, you know, everything was according to this plan. But in reality, you know, you're probably as confused as most, yeah. you know, college graduates are at this point. And, exactly. You know, just, just, yeah, yeah, figuring out things on the go. So, so how did this shy student end up, you know, becoming alumni director back in 1991? Well, I, I always give Emory and Henry credit for the fact that I'm no longer a shy student or a shy person. One of the things Emory and Henry does, again, because it's a small community, I think it makes it safer to try things, which is good. Um, but you're also kind of forced into some things that maybe are not in your wheelhouse. And so every student is required at some point to do an oral presentation and to do some things that are just, that might feel a little bit uncomfortable, but it's really good experience and learning how to, how to talk and how to be in front of people. We try, the career office here tries to, to plan events in conjunction with our office um, to give you practice in, practice in socializing and that sort of thing even because it's, it's, we know that being able to go to a, to a mixer and talk to other people, that's, that's an important, that's a soft skill, but it's an important skill. And so I give Emory and Henry credit for, for giving me the, the courage to be able to, to function in a way that I just couldn't function when I was a kid. And, um, and I'm very grateful for that. And the, the, the job thing, again, it was just, you know, good timing that, you know, as the director was leaving, I was there, I had been working for a few years in an assistant position, associate position, um, that was shared between alumni and advancement. And so, um, you know, when the director left, they asked me if I would do it and I said, sure. However, the, the sad part is they did not hire me associate and associate. They're like, oh, you're young. You're you can do it. <laughs> the one person shop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think right, right place, right time obviously plays a huge role in everybody's career. One thing I was really curious to kind of understand from you, and obviously you've been doing some amazing work over the last 30 years in, in that role. How has alumni relations as a profession changed over the last 30 years, what are some things that that you've thought about in terms of like, you know, how much it has changed over the last 30 years? Golly, I would I would say it has changed almost completely. The thing that mm. has probably not changed again, especially for a small campus, small college, small ish alumni base is um, is that, you know, personal interactions are still probably the most important thing that we do. 
because I, th- you know, because there's an expectation that we kind of know each other and that we kind of, well, I don't want to say we're involved in each other's lives. That sounds kind of snoopy, but you know, the fact that we're, we, we're sort of aware of what each other is doing and um, keeping up with each other. And I think that part is the same, but, but otherwise, you know, some of the things that, um, well, for, I always kind of joke about this. The person who had this job before me, you know, he could organize a potluck in a church basement and expect to see 50 people. Nobody's going to come to that now. And so, you know, the the events have changed pretty remarkably and the expectations have changed pretty remarkably. And certainly this last year has been weird in particular, but even beyond that, um, I think there's an expectation of um, keeping things a little lighter, maybe, and a little, um, a little more fun. There needs to be a bar, you know, things like that. So, uh, so I think that probably some of those things have changed a lot. Um, and 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 for the for the best. I mean, everything changes, right? And so it's important to to make sure that that we change along with it. Yeah, that's a great sort of you know positive mindset. What, what are some things that have helped you adapt over the years? Because I think obviously we've not seen as much change as we have in the last 12 months, you know, for most professions, but definitely for alumni relations as well. And, you know, over the last 30 years, are there particular resources or people that have been helpful in, you know, helping you stay relevant? Well, sure. You know, social media has been huge and for better or for worse, it's been huge. And I say that because, you know, We've certainly had some some complications that have grown out of social media, but at the same time, it's it's kind of like you know the devil you know. I mean, you kind of have to you kind of have to use it to promote a lot of things, and so you're getting a lot of attention and eyeballs onto things that you probably wouldn't have otherwise. And so that's been kind of huge. Um, since you're in this business, it's important to talk about the changes in databases over the years. Um, you know, there's when again when I first started, it was. You know, I, I'm trying to think if it was even computerized. I guess it was, but it was fairly clunky. And so, you know, that has certainly those those tools have certainly gotten more um, more advanced and, and more helpful. Um, and you know, I, I just think in general, just the just the fact that again, I think people relate to each other a little differently now, and they're more mobile. They're more interested in traveling. I, this is kind of a, a silly thing, but. For instance, um, regional events, they used to, the thinking was you're, you're going to do an event in Richmond. And so, of course, you invite all the alumni in Richmond. Well, a few years ago, I quit doing that and I invited everybody to come join us in Richmond if they wanted to, because people are willing to drive if it's something really fun and really cool that they want to do. So, you know, I think we've had to think differently about what what people are willing to do and interested in doing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's switch gears a little bit to your current role then, uh, Monica. So in your role today as the alumni director at Emory & Henry, what are your key priorities? Oh, what a good question. Um, I think, you know, I think for me, the biggest thing is to keep people in touch with what's going on at the college, um, to keep people in touch with each other and what I can only call the rah-rah factor. I mean, I think it's, I think we really work to make sure people feel proud of the college and proud of their, their alma mater, whether that's, whether that's through things that are happening here or through things that their fellow alumni are doing. But 
we're one of the, again, one of those places where, you know, because we're small, you know, we've got just under 10,000 or maybe just over 10,000 living alumni. And, you know, if you find somebody else who went to Emory and Henry, you're like, oh, that's so cool. And if you see an Emory and Henry person in the newspaper, you're like, oh my gosh, look at, look at this. And you, and you want to brag on it because, you know, it's not like we're some big, huge university where those people are in, in the news all the time. So if, if one of us gets in the news for something good, you kind of want to brag about it. So, um, so yeah, I think keeping the, keeping the rah-rah alive is a big part of it. And um, part of what I think we've all sort of grown to expect. I love that word, rah-rah. <laughs> Not heard of that before, actually. <laughs> kind of stole it from the cheerleading squad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gotcha. Nice. How are you, how have you thought about sort of engaging alumni over the last 12 months or so? Are there particular things that have worked well for you? Well, yeah. And in some ways, no one is more surprised than I am. Um, you know, we've, when everything fell apart, you know, of course, some of our usual playbook got chucked. And so, you know, things like tailgates gone, luncheons gone, all those kinds of things that all alumni people and all events people know had to go away. So we jumped in pretty quickly to try to figure out how to use technology, how to use Zoom, how to use um, online events as a way to keep people engaged. And so within, I guess, about three days of things, maybe it was a week of things closing down, we started um, a little series of events where we interviewed Emory and Henry faculty members about things that were kind of related to the pandemic. So we talked to a psychology professor about, is it okay to be happy when things are so sad? And we talked to a mass comm professor about how do you trust your news source when there's so much news coming at you right now? And we talked to an economist about, you know, what is happening with the economy right now? What can we count on and what's it going to mean going forward? And, you know, just a whole series of those kinds of things where people could engage with some of our really talented faculty members and ask questions and and hear a little something. I think, you know, those first days I was scared and it was nice to talk to people who had more education than I do and, and more sense than I do to talk about, you know, how we can sort of deal with those days. And so, so we jumped in pretty quickly on that and had really good success. And then um, we have a summer event on campus that we call, and it's a dumb name. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's a dumb name. It's called More Than a Vacation. It's our summer <laughs> alumni college. You see, it's like a vacation, but it's more. And I know that's a dumb name, but that's the name that got stuck on it. And we've done it for 26 it. years. Well, it, 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 they love it. We've done it for 26 years. And we typically have about 50 people who come back and stay on campus. And we do a, a variety of engagement events. So we did that online and it worked really well, actually. We had a lot more young people sign up than we usually do. We had a lot of people we recorded the event, so we had a lot of people who came back later to watch the recording if they couldn't be there with us live. Um, we engage with people we don't normally engage with who had said, oh, I always wanted to come to this, but I could never get off work, and so this has been kind of fun. And it was so popular that we continued to do some of those kinds of events for the rest of this calendar year. So we've continued to do some of that, and, and like I say, we've, um, if anything, we've, we've doubled down on it a little bit and started doing some of those in partnership with some community organizations to try to build our base a little bit of who's listening and who's watching, but also just to kind of make it more interesting for everybody. So it's been kind of cool. 
been okay. <laughs> yeah, I love the adaptability there. And, uh, you know, ha- have you had any data to kind of look at whether participation or engagement has increased over the last 12 months compared to sort of the years before that and whether that has had any impact on your fundraising efforts? That's a great question. And we're actually in the process of putting together a report to tell us more about that. Um, I don't know that it has really affected like the the basic, you know, day-to-day alumni giving portion. I will say this, that the college has had remarkable success in fundraising this year, despite all the challenges. I don't you know, I'd love to take credit for that, Callion. I would love to take credit for that, but I don't think that I can. Um, wh- what I can tell you is that some of the numbers, uh, the numbers of people participating has been greater than we would often see at some of these events. And um, some of the um, the responses just in general have been better than we've expected. But I don't know that I can I don't know that I can tie it to fundraising, but we're doing a more comprehensive report now to look at the numbers and we can, that will be part of what we look at. Right. And also I think, you know, even if the fundraising results for this year aren't necessarily tied to some of the engagement that you're, that you're doing, I mean, there's certainly a long-term impact as well. Yes. I mean, that's always the hope, right? I mean, if you want to be real crass about it, that's always the hope of alumni work is that we are sowing the seeds that will someday lead to, um, you know, continued engagement um, with the college in a way that is that is beneficial to the college down the road. So that's always the hope. And I'm, you know, I'd love to think that I, I will say this, that some of the people who have participated have surprised me in that um, some of them have been, we've had some really good people who are already really good donors who have participated and some trustees and that sort of thing, which has been nice. Um, and again, one of the things that we've been most excited about for years, we have said, we need to figure out a way to engage people who don't live right around here. And we could never come up with a good plan. But I'm here to tell you that I've had people from California, Texas, Colorado, New England, all over participating in some of our events this year. And that, you know, that's just not something we could boast about before. And so, so I, you know, I feel, I feel positive about it, but, you know, um, I don't know that it's going to, hit that button, that little check that box that everybody really wants, which is how did it affect your giving this year? I'm hopeful, but I don't, I don't know that it will. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in, in some sense, this whole sort of situation, obviously it's been really tough on all of us, but I think it's a blessing in disguise in the fact that now, you know, people like you are able to focus on sort of engaging alumni, no matter where they live, where location is no longer a constraint. Right. Right. And hopefully, you know, some of that will carry through once this pandemic is over as well, that it's going to look potentially like a hybrid model where you're obviously going to have those in-person experiences, but also a lot of online experiences for alumni wherever they are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, our, our alumni board is, that's one of the things that's on our agenda for this spring is to, to evaluate what are we going to keep going forward? Because we would be crazy to give up something where you can keep, get those kinds of people involved. We have a kind of a crazy event, um, and we stole it, you know, the, the joke about copy and steal everything, and we stole it from another college in Kentucky, <laughs> but it's called Emory and Henry in the City, and it's basically a worldwide happy hour event, and we've had great response um, over the years, and people get together in their communities at a local watering hole, and they get to meet some other alums in their, in their neighborhood, 
Well, we had a lot of people around the world who would send us a picture of them doing it all by themselves because, you know, not a lot of people live right there. We, you know, 10,000 alums, we've got 5,000 who live in Virginia. So that, that sort of weakens your, your international crowd. But this year we did it online and we had almost 100 people online. And again, we had people from lots of different states and, and even Guatemala. And they got to talk to each other a little bit and to interact a little bit. And we'd be crazy not to do that again. We sure, sure we want to go back to the bar and we're looking forward to it. But we'd be crazy not to have an event like that where the president got to talk, the career services people got to say hello and tell what they were doing and invite them to, to use their services. We got to do a, a video for marketing that caught people up on what was happening on campus. I mean, it was, it was, we gave away a bunch of stuff. Um, I won't, I'm not going to lie to you. I've shifted all my budget into giving away a bunch of stuff from the, from the bookstore. So, you know, and why not? It's not like I'm traveling. Yeah. So, you know, so yeah. So, we, you know, we're just trying to figure out which of those things we would want to do going forward. Absolutely. And I think the best of both worlds, ideally. Right. right. Um, one particular event or campaign that you did that really caught my attention was uh, the online tailgate do you mind explaining to the listeners more about that idea? Sure. And, you know, I joked and said, well, um, I'm glad we tried something crazy like that before we had to have it. Um, we had noticed, or I had noticed in going to a lot of football tailgates that it tended to be a lot of the same people. And there were a whole lot of people who just were never going to get to make it to a game and they never got to enjoy that excitement. So we tried something and I said, if I get 10 people to come, I'm going to be super happy and call it a day. The very first time we tried this, we had at least 100 people. I don't remember now how many it was, but it was a lot. Wow. And what we, it was very simple concept. We said, you know, watch the game online and then use the alumni Facebook page to check in and say, hey, I'm watching. And if you do that, we'll put your name in the drawing and giveaway prizes. And it was a, it was a hit and people loved it. And, you know, aside from the initial, what the heck is an online tailgate question? It didn't take very long from, to really understand what was going on. And so they caught on and they loved it. And we did it with basketball. We would, you know, be live at the basketball game and we'd invite alumni in to be, uh, we would do like a little Facebook live thing every so often and just kind of show who was there and the band would play. And so we wanted to give people a little bit of that experience of, of sort of being, you know, in the, in the hype and the fun of a game, even if you couldn't be there and then give away prizes. And so, you know, they, we, we've kind of all enjoyed it. And again, you know, the money that I would have spent going to an away game, I just put that into prizes. And frankly, um, that's something else I plan to do going forward is I don't, I don't know that I need to be going to all of those when I can instead send you something fun for your car or your, or your head that is going to actually get us a little promotion out there in the world and make you happy. Then, then why not send you a hat instead of buying a tank of gas? Yeah, I think that is an amazing idea. I'd encourage all of my listeners here to copy and steal that idea if you wouldn't. Mind. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. What are your biggest challenges at the moment, uh, Monica? What's top of mind for you in terms of uh, things that you're trying to figure out? 
Oh gosh, going back to the world, I guess. You know, we're you know we're start Virginia is starting to raise its limits for numbers at events and that sort of thing, and so we're tentatively trying to make some plans for homecoming in October, and we're just saying to people, here's what we're planning, but it could all we could have the rug pulled out from under us at the last minute. So you know, watch the website. So just trying to figure out how to make some plans going forward. I said to somebody yesterday, this is like. You know, for people who like to plan, this is a terrible time of the world because it's just really hard to know how in the world to to make a plan that, that you're going to be able to stick with. But but that that right now is the biggest thing is um, figuring out how to plan ahead with still so many restrictions and and with it changing every couple of days, and then also trying to figure out what to do going forward as far as like what we keep from this year that we liked. Or, you know, are people going to just disappear on us once everything goes back to normal? They're just going to say, nope, not doing that anymore. You know, I, I think there's still a lot to be seen as to what people will continue to do. But, um, you know, I'm hearing a lot about Zoom fatigue and I understand that. But I also have loved Zoom because it has, has saved us in so many situations and has given us so many opportunities this past year. And, and I continue to see good numbers on the events that we've got going on right now. So, um you know, that remains to be seen, I think, a little bit. But I think I think trying to figure out how to strike that balance between an in-person tailgate and an online tailgate, I think that's going to be our, our challenge going forward. Yeah, yeah, there's plenty to be figured out and plenty to look forward to over the next few months, I'm sure. Um, we're, we're going towards the end here, uh, Monica. But before we wrap up, I have three final questions for you. Number one... Okay. What's one book that you would recommend uh, to your peers in alumni relations? Well, I'll tell you, don't expect this to be a book about higher education. So I have a book that I read this year that I have loved. Um, It's probably my favorite thing I've read in a long time. It's a book by Lulu Miller called Why Fish Don't Exist. And I'm telling everyone to read it because it's only 200 pages and it covers an amazing array of things. But at its heart, Um, It's about trying to make sense of chaos. And I certainly feel like this has been a year of chaos. And um, I think part of our challenge this year has not just been from a professional standpoint. I think we're all dealing with, you know, a lot of personal challenges about how to exist in this unusual world and this unusual situation. And so I think it's it's okay to take to stop for a minute and try to figure out um, how, how do you deal with the world when it's not like you not like you planned and not like you predicted and not like you were told it was going to be. So um, the book covers history, psychology, biology, sociology. It's crazy. It's 200 pages and I, I recommend it to everybody. It's just a just a way to sort of think differently about the world. Yeah, I think that's a great recommendation. Certainly something that I'll I'll pick up this weekend. <laughs> Good. Um, what's what's an advice that you would give your twenty year old self? Oh, to lighten up. You know, I it's I think it's so at twenty, it's so easy to think there's just only one path that makes sense, and you've got to you've got to move up the ladder. You've got to do it a certain way. You've got to you know you got to do everything in a way that's going to make it look like you're. Um, you know, headed for president of college. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure that that's always the most sensible thing. I think that what I would say to my 20-year-old self is to to um, enjoy the experience and um, 
glean everything and try everything as you're going along professionally, but um, but don't worry too much. I've worried a lot at 20. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love that advice, uh, Monica. I, I couldn't like, you know, I mean, it sounds a lot like me, to be honest. Um, you know, there are plenty of things that I worry about and I often have to remind myself that, you know, let's just make the journey worth it. We'll figure out what the destination yeah. is later. Right. See, you figured it out far before I did. <laughs> By listening to people like you. <laughs> oh, that's nice. All right. One last question then, uh, Monica, what's one resource or software tool that's been very helpful for you in this job? Well, I, you know, I don't know if we're allowed to, I don't want to name drop or whatever. We, you know, the, our office uses, um, uses Razor's Edge for our database and, and that's been really good um, and, and very helpful. And I will say also that um, our, our web page um, platform is White Whale and we've increasingly used that platform to take registrations um, and it's really helped a lot, especially like right now when we're doing a whole lot of Zoom events and we need you to register ahead of time. That's been really helpful to keep track of um, who has registered and uh, who needs to get the Zoom link when we send that out. And so we've, we've enjoyed that a lot. And, um, and, and I don't know if you've met those guys at, at Alma Base, but they are, they are really great folks. And so, you know, I do like them a whole lot. Gotcha. Definitely check them out. And as I said, certainly, uh, you know, this has been top of the pile from a software perspective for a lot of people. So I completely understand that. Amazing. Um, I think we're, we're pretty much at the end here, Monica. I, I cannot tell you how much I've learned from this conversation. It's been great. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Well, you're very sweet to ask me and I, and I certainly wish you guys luck and I really enjoyed getting to know um, everyone at True Company that I've talked to. It's, you've been great. Thank you so much. Take care.